The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. It is the weekend. It's Saturday night, my good friends, and everything is going to be all right. Indeed, it is. We just heard, was it from the Toronto General Hospital this week? Um, no COVID cases in the ICU. Optimism. Indeed, we promised we'd get through this, and uh, boy, the end is nigh. Indeed, it is. Um, you know, it's incredible markets. Indeed, there have been these uh, ongoing fl- uh, blackouts, as we have been calling them, uh, of 2021 in the market. Every now and then, the market hiccups 5 or 10%, and then just seems to power higher. Uh, technology uh, came under pressure twice this year, once when interest rates went higher, and once when that reopening theme really emerged as head. Um, but tech continues to be a dominant force and is battling its way back. Uh, two of our finest uh, tech analysts, uh, Mr. Michael Graham and Ms. Maria Rips, uh, both uh, senior research analysts uh, with Canaccord. Um, delighted to have them on the show. Uh, d- ladies, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining uh, Jack and I this Saturday night. Mike and Maria, you guys doing well? What's up, Wolfgang? Nice to see you and nice to hear your voice as always. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Maria, you good? Yes, thanks for having us on. It's good to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, well, Jack, it's Saturday night, man. Let's have a great show and uh, learn something. <clears throat> Why don't we begin with uh, Mike Graham? Uh, one of the ideas you gave us uh, quite recently on the show is Lyft. Uh, Lyft has been, a, again, a volatile tech stock, but from the levels that you introduced us to the idea, uh, so far, so good. Uh, please share with us again, refresh us on your thesis behind Lyft uh, and the uh, what is the market telling you uh, about its uh, prospects going forward? That's one of the things I love about you, Wolfgang. You always tell me about the good calls in public and you keep the bad calls for the private. So thank you for that. <laughs> I am no Debbie Downer, pal. <laughs> uh, Lyft has been good. You know, like, like we really feel that it's a clear-cut reopening trade uh, of a stock, and um, you know we really see that like you know Lyft and, and Uber never really got out of the gates strongly from their IPOs. You know they've sort of had you know sort of one thing after another, but meanwhile the underlying market share shift towards share transportation has been ongoing. It's been masked by COVID a little bit. Um, but you know, we really see when 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 people start going back to work and start getting out and about uh, in more of a full fashion, um, you know, Lyft and Uber should really benefit quite a bit. And we like Lyft a little bit better than Uber because it's a pure play on this whole rideshare uh, market, and also because um, Uber did a little bit better during COVID because they have their Uber Eats deliver food delivery business, and that kind of kept numbers moving in a good direction. Whereas Lyft you know, really has much easier growth comps coming up here as we get through, um, you know, the rest of the year. And also, you know, Lyft was a little bit more aggressive in cutting costs. Uh, And so um, there's a lot of operating leverage coming. So we continue to like Lyft here. You know, it will be a little bit touch and go as we get through, you know, sort of COVID cases and vaccination rates and things like that. You know, the final thing to just say really quickly is, 
They do currently have a shortage of drivers. Um, Uber does as well. Um, and, you know, both companies are working hard to bring more drivers back into that gig economy. Um, but but we think Lyft is set up really well here. Uh, let's move over to another name that we um, have, have been invested in over the years, uh, Jack and I, that is. Um, and that's both Facebook and Google. Um, uh, we, we, we exited those names, I don't know, about a year and a half, two years ago, because they seem to have run their course. Uh, you were a little colder on Google, I would say about a year and a half ago. The, the FANG complex, the Facebook, the Amazon, the Netflix, the Google and the likes, for the most part have held in quite well during this reopening trade. They're benefiting from stay at home. They're also benefiting from reopening, uh, i.e. with their advertising businesses. So we, we did uh, reinitiate a position in Facebook and Google. Uh, and again, the, the, the comp table your department put out was extremely helpful in helping me make those decisions because I continue to see growth in both of those names uh, and, and, and continued uh, growth at a, at a very impressive pace, i.e. 25 to 30% uh, for reasonably valued businesses, which are harder to find in the space of tech. Uh, so why don't you please touch on those two names for us, uh, Mike. And is, is, it, is Google yours or is that now Maria's, is that now Maria's uh, camp? Yeah, Maria's on Google and Facebook, so I'll let her take I'll let her take Perfect. That. Please. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, we do a lot of work on advertising here, and uh, you, you totally right. Uh, advertising was so resilient during the pandemic, except for the first couple of months, and uh, sort of the second half of last year turned out to be extremely strong. Uh, we've seen extremely strong Q4 results uh, and Q1 results. And what's happening with these names is that uh, a lot of them are focusing uh, on social commerce and e-commerce advertising. There is a ton of product innovation on the platform uh, for Facebook as it relates to e-commerce. Uh, our industry conversations suggest that ad spend in, in the e-commerce space appears to be fairly strong in the near term. Uh, it seems like sort of buyers are seeing price increases on Facebook, which could be kind of a little bit ROI dilutive to some marketers, but certainly is a strong tailwind for Facebook. Uh, and sort of as this trend continues, uh, we feel like expectations are pretty conservative, uh, especially for the second half of this year. Uh, I feel like this street is probably at about 20% growth or so, and um, given the strength, uh, the strength in the e-commerce space, that would probably turn out to be pretty conservative. And very similar kind of setup here for Google. Uh, we we expect sort of continued strong performance in search, also driven by e-commerce spend and uh, travel, hospitality, out of home, kind of all starting to come back now and starting to recover. Uh, YouTube continues to benefit both from strong direct response and also from uh, recovering brand. Uh, and again, there is a ton of product innovation from Google on the e-commerce side, which should support sort of uh, growth uh, in the near term. I feel like on the margin, we would probably still buy Facebook before we buy Google, but we continue to like both stocks here heading into the second half of the year. Yeah, no, that report you, you shared with us was absolutely brilliant. And friends at home, uh, if perchance you'd like a copy of that report, we can certainly supply it to you. Uh, WolfgangKlein.com uh, is your financial portal. Uh, it's all you need. WolfgangKlein.com. Uh, Jack and I can take care of you uh, from start to finish. Uh, and trust me, our clients are very, very happy. So perhaps will you. Um, let's move on to um, another name that we do own. Um, and Jack, you, you, you helped out with this, uh, as, as did you, Mike. Uh, is uh, DraftKings, um, online gaming, online uh, sports betting, basically. Um, share with us what happened this week with the name. Uh, and again, 
what is your thesis uh, behind this uh, the, you know, U.S. tax revenue generating machine? That's how I view it. Yeah, it's so funny. I just hung up the phone with DraftKings. We were talking to them about a few things right before we got on here. Uh, you know, um, we, we are really uh, bullish on this name. Um, you know, the, the setup here is that you've got um, a lot of Americans who really want to be able to gamble on sports, uh, and they haven't really had a legal and efficient way to do that historically. Um, it's a huge potential market. Um, it, it really is in its infancy, and DraftKings is, you know, one of the clear market leaders. And so, you know, we really see a good roadmap ahead for them to continue to just roll out into new states. We're sort of in, you know, a little under a quarter of the country right now in, in, our, in legalized markets. Um, and we think that's going to, you know, really, you know, ramp up to sort of like, you know, two-thirds to 75% of the country over the next few years. Um, DraftKings is really set up to benefit in Q4 in particular because during Q3, they're going to flip over to a new technology platform, um, which is based on an acquisition they made uh, called SB Tech. And I'm going to circle around to the other part of SB Tech in a second. But um, this new technology is going to enable DraftKings to offer more uh, bet types, uh, you know, betting on things that might happen within a contest, like will the New England Patriots get a first down or uh, will Phil Nicholson's drive uh, hit the fairway? Uh, which is more apropos this weekend. And so, um, you know, what we're going to see is a lot more engagement and time for the NFL football season and a really good setup for DraftKings, you know, heading into sort of Q4 and the NFL season. There was um, a little bit of chatter out in the market um, earlier in the week around uh, this same SB Tech subsidiary uh, where, you know, some, some market participants were calling into question you know, um, whether there were any uh, legal risks associated with some of that uh, uh, subsidiary's activities uh, in Asia a while back. Um, you know, we feel confident that there's really no systemic risk to the company. Um, we feel, you know, really good about fundamentals. Um, you know, that whole business that was the subject of some of this chatter was, uh, you know, sort of less than 10% of the overall revenue base anyway. So um, we feel good about DraftKings here and think it's going to have a good, you know, rest of the year. Yeah, when, when, again, now when a short report comes out, of course, we immediately think about the Reddit community. Are they going to get on that trade? You know, and I'll make another point about the Reddit community. My my 17-year-old son is, has, has developed a very keen interest in uh, the financial markets. And I was just showing him the chart on Google. Uh, the, the, the chart since inception on that company. <clears throat> and there's another company where you could basically have picked it up in and around IPO uh, first day trading price about six, eight months later. Time and time again, when companies go public, they tend to trade at some point in and around or even below IPO price. Um, and again, that, that often is a really, really good setup on a go forward basis. I also thought about a Fred Flintstone uh, episode of good old Freddie. Uh, him and uh, Barney uh, <laughs> getting involved in some kind of gambling. Uh, do you remember that show, Bat? Bat, 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 bat? Do you remember that, Michael? Jack does. Yabba dabba does. There you go. Yabba dabba do is correct. Uh, friends at home, Saturday night, we're talking money. We're talking stock, internet stocks. Two of the finest analysts on Wall Street, Maria Rips and Mr. Michael Graham, uh, graciously joining us uh, to uh, share with us some ideas. Uh, more show right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is Saturday night, my good friends. Why not a little bit of Pink Floyd to keep the show rolling? It's a show about money. I am Wolfgang Klein. Jack Hartle, my partner. Jack, uh, we're talking internet stocks here. Uh, thank you very kindly for lining up uh, Michael and Maria to join us uh, this Saturday night. Uh, I want to pass the mic over to you, and uh, you can fire off a few hot questions around this space. They cover such great stocks, so many cool brands. Uh, over to you, Jack. Absolutely. They are two of the best and we really appreciate having them online here. But, uh, you know, a big theme as we've been talking about is, you know, stay at home versus reopening. So Mike and Maria, are you guys still categorizing your stocks that way and, and focusing more on the reopening or have the valuations come down uh, enough on some of these, you know, stay at home stocks where they're starting to get attractive for you? Um, that's a great question. You know, we, we definitely were heavily uh, focused on the different categories of, um, you know, sort of stay at home versus uh, non-stay at home stocks when COVID first started happening. And, um, you know, that proved to be a really helpful, you know, sort of way to look at this at the sector. Um, as we're coming out of it, you know, one of the interesting things is like, you would think that the e-commerce names that were, that were so strong, uh, you know, would, would potentially give some back, but what we're kind of seeing is, you know, a lot of stickiness there and, and, and Maria can touch on that. Um, you know, on the, on the advertising side, what we saw is really kind of steady performance and a, a, a rotational shift in terms of like the sectors that advertisers were advertising for. Um, and those stocks kind of stayed really steady, really the clear, Thing to focus on now um, in terms of reopening is that, you know, Lyft, Uber, Airbnb, these are the ones that we cover that are really, you know, focused on um, reopening. We think these have a lot of upside potential for numbers. Um, and so we are focused on those. But, you know, there are some really interesting dynamics in the e-commerce space. And maybe, Maria, you can mention some of those. Yeah, of course. Uh, so what we've seen in the e-commerce space is there were a number of names that performed really, really well during the pandemic, like Etsy, Wayfair, for example. And now sort of coming out of the pandemic, even though this, this, these platforms would need to uh, sort of cycle through a couple of difficult uh, comp quarters, right? Uh, these platforms are exiting the pandemics in, in much stronger shape with larger customer bases, with increased sort of share of consumer wallets and with more uh, sort of efficient operations. I mean, even uh, just look at Etsy, for example, uh, the company added 40 million buyers, pretty much pulling their buyers uh, over the past four or five quarters. Uh, the company has, and a lot of these buyers have uh, sort of are exhibiting much stronger engagement metrics. So the company has exposure to various uh, verticals like home, which is doing really, really well. Uh, apparel, which is recovering now, events and weddings, uh, that, that category should start rebounding. So the, the story is really kind of uh, well positioned here, sort of coming out of, of COVID. Another two names I would highlight is Lovesack and Stitch Fix. 
And both of those companies are, again, positioned really well for the reopening. Uh, Lapstock should benefit from kind of uh, showroom reopening, and uh, uh, that's something that drives a lot of traffic, something that's really good for their brand. And Stitch Fix, as you know, uh, should benefit from kind of strong demand in apparel that we're seeing now as the economy opens up. Um, let's just talk about those four names, Maria. And you, you brought up an incredible point. I want you to reiterate the point. When speaking about Etsy, did you tell us that in the during the pandemic, in the last 12 months, they added 40 million new customers? That's right. Uh, wow, that, that's a huge, that, that's a huge number. I'll just clarify, those are 40 million active customers, so some of that are reactivated buyers, so buyers who haven't bought in the, in the past 12 months, uh, but the vast majority of those are new buyers coming to the platform. And yes, that's, that's, that's an incredibly large number. And, and what does Love do? That's a symbol L-O-V-E in the United States. What's that company all about? Uh, yeah, so it's uh, uh, Lovesock. It's uh, it's essentially a tech or retail company that manufactures, sells uh, high quality modular couches called sectionals or beanbag chairs called sacks. And uh, sort of going into the pandemic, uh, you're kidding me. You're bad. Whoa, 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 whoa! Did you, you said beanbags and you said yeah, sectionals. There's nothing new about this. I had a beanbag 40 years ago. What's new with the beanbag? What's old is new. Uh, well, they uh, they created this sort of uh, strong connection with consumers, and uh, it's uh, it's a value proposition where uh, if you sort of buy uh, a sectional and uh, you you can sort of if you move uh, if you decide to expand, it's 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 a very adjustable piece of furniture, huh. and uh, it okay. resonates with consumers really well. And, I mean, and look, what, what, if you have a dog and your couch gets uh, gets uh, gets ruined, you don't need to replace your couch. You can just replace one part. You can uh, replace uh, the cover, and uh, it's 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 completely new new couch. Oh, oh, I didn't I did not know that. Um, so so they basically increase the amount of service offerings or uh, warranty and flexibility around the product itself. Uh, I mean, it's the same uh, product, and it's amazing how uh, such a low number of SKUs can produce. So many variations of the same uh -huh. product, uh, and I mean, you're right. This company has been around for a long, long time. It's just kind of now it's starting to resonate with consumers, and it's not a cheap product. It's not. Uh, it's it's kind of it appeals to more upscale consumer, but uh, more recently, even more uh, sort of uh, price conscious con consumers are coming in and looking at this as a as a good alternative to sort of cheaper couches. That's fascinating, fascinating story. You know, I, I love America. I love the innovation of business in America. I also love the way American businesses think big. I have to ask you, by the way, it, um, American media has been very quiet um, post the inauguration of uh, President Joe Biden. Um, if I may politically just ask, how are you doing under the Biden administration? You know, um so far, it's been it's been um, really kind of uh, kind of you know steady as she goes. I would say we haven't seen anything anything you know really good or really bad uh, out of the administration. Um, it's been sort of uh, you know focused. Quiet. On it's been quiet. 
Yeah, I've seen the late night late, late, late night talk TV. They can't, they can't. There's no fun. They they can't have any fun anymore. But they're 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 looking for content. It's so so incredible. Uh, and I congratulate you, by the way, for it. I think the world needed a little peace around that front, and uh, it's just amazing. But uh, I, I commend your 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 country. How how quickly you responded to the COVID crisis. Certainly, with the new administration, you saw an expedite uh, on on that front. Uh, and the reopening theme, uh, I think it's it's, it's very evident uh, in uh, America. Um, oh, sorry, what town are you guys living in? Uh, I'm in Manhattan. I'm in New York, Manhattan. So you're you're in Manhattan, and, and Michael, you're in Boston. He's in New Canaan, yeah. Connecticut. Oh, he's in Connecticut. He's in Connecticut. And so, in Manhattan, Maria, are you seeing more people on the streets than you were, say, three months ago? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the city, the city, op- pretty much open up completely. It's uh, it's crowded. People go out. People shop. People go to restaurants. It's uh, it, it feels like it's back to normal. Well, can you eat inside restaurants? Uh, if, and if so, uh, to what capacity? Uh, yeah, people. Yeah, you can. You you inside sitting is open now. Uh, what capacity? I don't know what the latest is right now. Uh, a couple of months ago, it was at 50% capacity, 70% capacity. I don't exactly know where we stand right now, but yeah, inside sitting is open. Wow. Well, you're certainly ahead of us here in Toronto because the city still is quite quiet uh, and you cannot eat inside restaurants. Uh, so uh, the curbside pickup, of course, continues to dominate and uh, patios have just recently reopened. Um, <laughs> boy, it's certainly excited a lot of people, which is so nice to see. Um any other names we want to touch on before we uh, let you go this Saturday night, my friends? Maria you know, um, or Michael? One, one, quick, one quick small cap name I would mention, uh, Wolfgang, is Motorsport Games, MSGM. Uh, these guys have the exclusive right to develop NASCAR-branded video games uh, globally. And um, they are going to be releasing uh, in Q3 uh, a new version of their flagship NASCAR uh, racing game. Uh, we think it's going to be a much better game, a huge upgrade, uh, and we think there's going to be a lot of excitement around that and uh, should really help the, help the stock quite a bit. So, um, you know, we're really focused on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. so that would be one name I, I would call out. And um, Motors, Motorsport Gaming, uh, symbol MS, MSGM. Hey, by the way, since you mentioned that name, my little son, who he's my, I got a meme now, my own meme working for me, my son. Uh, so he's coming up with some really cool ideas, guys. Tattoo Chef was an idea he threw at me. Uh, but another name he mentioned to me recently, and I, I looked at it, it's like a mini Logitech. It's Corsair Gaming. They make all kinds of periphery stuff for high-end gamers. Are you guys aware of that name, Corsair Gaming? Um, I've, I've heard of it, but I don't know uh, anything at all about it. Now, full disclosure, I own a little bit of a friends at home. My son owns a little bit of a full disclosure, just saying. Uh, but it's actually got, it's got an interesting uh, tone to it, the way it's trading in the marketplace. Uh, Marie, you want to give us a, a, a last idea, a quick one that uh, really stands out for you? We should do a little more homework on, per se. Uh, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but uh, we still like Wayfair. Again, it's very similar to Etsy. Uh, the platform uh, added a, a lot of buyers during the pandemic. Uh, what's really differentiating here is uh, past investments in uh, logistics, and uh, the company invested in ton and warehouses and delivery network, and that actually what enabled the company to handle this high demand during the pandemic. And now, sort of coming out of the pandemic, demand for home goods still remains pretty robust. And uh, now the company kind of reached the point where it's 
sort of it started delivering profitability, it, it should stay consistently positive going forward. And I feel like it's really that that point is really important for investors you know again looking at the chart of wayfair right now maria it's, it's incredible i'm not sure what the ipo price was but first uh month of trading it looked like the stock was trading at around 40 50 bucks along came the pandemic six years later and knocked the stock down momentarily to 20 bucks again you got a shot to, to buy that stock pre-ipo uh pre-ipo uh, pre levels but uh to go from 20 dollars to 307 dollars oh my god jack why didn't you tell me about this name uh what a move okay, that's a 15 was, a 15 bagger off of yep. wayfair i i you know i was i was doubtful about that company uh because of their return policy and i said again at, at the uh, canaccord annual growth conference one of the finest growth conferences in the world i'm privileged to be a part of um canaccord hosts some amazing smaller innovative businesses uh in boston each and every year uh, prior to the pandemic, unfortunately. And I am looking forward to coming to your to Boston to see that again. But uh, Wayfair was an idea that came up and it was that delivery return aspect of who's gonna buy a couch online? How, how do you do that? But they, they meant to, 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 to demonstrate that it can be done. Briefly, can you speak to that for in, in 15 or 20 seconds, Maria? Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's the main hurdle for investors, for people to sort of start buying this uh, big items online. Uh, but again, through these investments, the company was able to streamline the process and and a lot of the items that you can buy on, 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 on Wayfair are returnable and uh, the company makes it so easy for consumers to handle returns. And I think that's what's driving this increasing online adoption. And that's No, I, that's my concern as, if, as a business, if I'm a shareholder, I'm a business owner and I don't want the stuff coming back. Uh, it's big, it's bulky. That must be so expensive when they get someone to returning a couch or refrigerator. They, they also sort of have very sort of, uh, they have a lot of imagery on their, on, the in, on their website so consumers can see what the product looks like. Uh, you can talk to specialists. They can explain how the product, what the product is, how what it feels like, what whether they have sort of uh, 3D images where you can imagine sort of how the product would look in your living room. So wow. they've done a lot of work on that front as well. So it's not just a sort of streamlining the return policies. It's also a sort of ensuring that consumer can understand and see what the product is and kind of envision how it would look in your, in your, in your home. Well, I'm, I'm going to say you presented, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that you presented Wayfair at the conference in 2018. Uh, that would have been probably August of 18, at which point the stock was trading in around 100 bucks. Uh, fast forward three years is a $300 stock. Uh, not bad. Peter Lynch will call that a three-bagger, right? And Peter Lynch, of course, goes to that conference each and every year. Um, I think he brings a yoga mat with him. Why not? Uh, it is Hi-Fi Radio, my good friends, Saturday night. Um, Mr. Michael Graham, Managing Director, Senior Equity Analyst, Internet Space. Maria Rips, uh, Senior Analyst, uh, Internet Space. Uh, I can't thank you enough uh, for your insight into some very exciting businesses uh, that, you know, I think have a lot of runway and are here to stay. Uh, it's fascinating to watch and fascinating to uh, learn more about them. More show coming up right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. <laughs> Such great writing, eh, friends? Indeed. It is Saturday night. Little uh, spring to your stride. We are talking with Mr. Ken Herbert, uh, a managing director and senior aerospace and defense analyst with Canaccord Genuity. His focus is on uh, defense electronics and commercial aerospace sector. Uh, Ken, well known for his deep analysis uh, on the uh, AD supply chain and his work on the commercial aerospace aftermarket. Uh, he publishes a semi annual uh, supplier survey uh, and a highly regarded quarterly global commercial aerospace uh, MRO survey. Uh, he was a previously an analyst uh, at Imperial Capital and Wedbush Securities. Boy, you've survived uh, this industry for some time. Ken, I've seen a few stories, I am sure. Welcome back to the show, my good friend. I'll tell you a story that caught my attention, but Two or three days ago, in fact, um, a radio station uh, out in BC sent me this story. Um, every Friday, I actually do a little radio hit in Kelowna, uh, BC. And uh, the morning show producer there sent me a story about, call it the Concorde 2.0. Uh, that will be uh, supersonic and operate on vegetable oil. Uh, Ken, I'm sure you know the story. Uh, please t tell us about the validity of this. Uh, who's behind this? Vegetable oil? Really? Yeah, hey, so it's great to be with you again. I mean, I think, you know, there's since the Concorde, and even before the Concorde, but there's always been a real uh, desire for supersonic travel. Um, and now you, you marry that with sustainability, um, and I think that's that's where we are today. You know, we're this um, uh, boom supersonic um, uh, obviously has an order with United Airlines that uh, that helps support a backlog for a jet that's very early in the development process. I think you're looking at, you know, probably eight to 10 years before you see any viable commercial huh. service on this aircraft. But, you know, if you're able to to take travel times, you know, cut by a half to a third for, for some longer routes, when you think North America to Europe or North America to Asia, there's always going to be an attractive element to that. And I think the um, the desire to go to sustainable fuel uh, ticks a number of boxes, one of which being cost potentially. If if the supply chain can support broader activity um, of of you know this 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 power source, so it's very interesting. Uh, there's it's a very interesting time in aerospace and defense right now with the amount of new um, business markets and activities open up with supersonic certainly being one of them. There's a lot we could talk about about urban air mobility and air taxis and of course space and other areas. So quite an interesting time in aerospace and defense these days no it, it, with, without question and, and look i've always been very attracted to aviation in fact in my new neighborhood i moved into a there, there's an old fella he's 88 years old and he takes a daily walk and uh and he stopped by and we started to chat and he was a, pal a pilot for air canada uh for some 40 years and i said any crash landings he said never planes are so safe the worst I had to do was shut down eight engines in my entire career. I said, easy to fly, super safe. And, you know, it's funny because there's an old saying that, you know, the media tracks negative stories, never a positive story. And each and every day, 500,000 aircraft land safely. That's not a story. Are you kidding me? I think that's remarkable. Why don't we talk a little bit about uh, what... Uh, uh, Charles Branson is doing. Uh, is Charles Branson? Is that the right name? No, no. Uh, Richard Branson. Richard. Charles Branson. Charles. Man I'm getting the mix up. Charles Manson. Yeah. <laughs> what, what Charles is up to? Hopefully not much. What Richard Branson is up to? Uh, and Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk in their space race. Like, who would have thought? But this was supposed to be the year, correct? Fingers crossed, it should be. So, 
Um, a few weeks ago, uh, Jeff Bezos and, and his company, Blue Origin, announced they were uh, going to be offering passengers on a on a flight on their new aircraft up into space. Now, keep in mind, as we've talked about, these, it's technically going up into space, but you're not up there for very long. You get about eight to ten minutes up out of the atmosphere with wonderful views of, of the Earth, and you've got weightlessness and, you know, zero-gravity, microgravity-type environments. So it's it's, uh, it's technically you're up in space, and they launched. Uh, they made the announcement. They had an auction for an open seat on this on this flight, which will of course be with Jeff Bezos and his brother Mark. Um, they raised a, a uh, close to thirty million dollars through this auction, so it was pretty impressive. They had they said over seven thousand people bidding, so it points to the interest of people to get up into space. That is supposed to happen at the end of July. Uh, Richard Branson and his company, Virgin Galactic, had been planning a flight um, later on in the summer, but I think uh, Sir Richard's desire to ideally beat Jeff Bezos up into space, um, there's there's rumblings that their flight with, with Richard Branson could happen sooner in July so that he can be up in space before Jeff Bezos. And then when they have that successful flight, and later on this year, Virgin Galactic will open up uh, their sales effort as well to start to sell seats for space tourism up into space, which both companies are pursuing and we think is a is a very small niche but very vibrant market these days. So there's a lot going on in, in space right now, and it's, uh, an it's an exciting time. We're speaking with Ken Herbert. He's an analyst with Ken Accord, uh, focused on uh, aerospace and defense. We're talking about space travel uh we're talking about supersonic flying uh we with the uh, pandemic um i really had hoped that they would say you know it's time to improve the air in aircraft and give people some more elbow room uh so why don't we just come up with an economy airplane that gives everyone a little more breathing space and foot room but i've been told again boots on the ground that if anyone has flown during the pandemic they continue to load them up into the individual aircraft and i guess they've grounded a whole lot of other aircraft uh, can you speak to that briefly, Ken, before we go to break? Yeah, of course. So you are um, seeing, you know, different airlines have handled it differently, but certainly domestic travel here in the United States and in Canada is the first to recover, and people are not flying international. And the airlines coming out of this that tend to be doing the best are the low-cost carriers. And here in the United States, that would be Southwest, and in Europe, think Ryanair. And they <laughs> are pushing aggressively to fill the planes and um, and to get as many people on as possible. So. You're seeing a real recovery in leisure travel, domestic travel, not as much yet in business travel, and certainly not a recovery yet in international travel. So the, um, the, the desire or the ability to get several seats to yourself and maybe a little bit more leg room and a little bit more pitch in your seat is probably not going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, I heard Ryanair, and again, my, my wife's family's from Ireland, but I heard Ryanair once went to the uh, administrator and said, is there any chance we can just take the seats out to make standing room only, a little, little, little uh, bar to hang on to? Didn't happen, but he considered it, apparently. Let's go to a quick commercial break. It is Hi-Fi Radio. We're speaking with uh, Ken Herbert, Managing Director, uh, Analyst in the Aerospace Field. Of course, Jack Hartle teeing up the great guest this evening. Grab a drink. Uh, stay tuned. More show right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
Oh, I do miss that man. Genius indeed. So ahead of his times. And uh, yeah, just a great rock star pop artist. Indeed, Mr. David Bowie. Uh, use him to help cue up an amazing guest, Mr. Ken Herbert, Managing Director, Senior Aerospace and Defense Analyst with Ken Accord. Uh, I have to uh, confess, um, Ken, really the only name I have a, a reasonable amount of uh, knowledge on, of course, is Boeing. A, a, a stock you cover and last time you're on the show Boeing had a little pop and uh, you said yeah it's probably had this little move for now wouldn't be too excited about it. at those levels that's a pretty good call you made there because uh, subsequently the stock really has not done a whole lot I think it was probably 270 when uh, your last on the show is 240 right now um, but they fixed their problems I assume uh, they're getting more orders more comfort with uh, the I guess Max Air um, uh, speak about the Boeing idea just as a blue chip, amazing company, by the way. You look at, uh, go online, just look at inside one of their manufacturing facilities and just see the amount of technology. Wow. It, it, truly, truly remarkable. Uh, speak to Boeing for us, Ken, and then maybe give us a couple of your uh, favorite ideas in your sector. Sure. Yeah. So, so Boeing, as we've, as we've talked about, I think we have positively inflected in terms of order activity. And as you indicated, you know, there were over 600 MAX aircraft orders that were canceled in 2020. So far this year, the company's seeing a net positive order activity um, for the MAX. It's starting to, to deliver the aircraft again. The big wild card near term, of course, is certification of this aircraft in China. The Chinese have not yet uh, recertified the MAX to enter service there. Mm. And that, unfortunately, uh, seems to have been held up in, in broader political disputes and, and negotiations. So we do think that will be a positive catalyst when the company gets recertification in China. We do think the company is positioned to start to accelerate deliveries coming out of the pandemic for the MAX aircraft. It's also faced some issues near term on its 787, the Dreamliner, uh, with deliveries and some manufacturing issues, but that should start to accelerate and turn around in the second half of this year as well. So you've got a commercial business that has, has clearly troughed and should see some improvement uh, with pace accelerating into the second half of this year and then certainly into next year. Um, Boeing also has faced pressure in its other services business, its other um, somewhat in its defense business, and we think these uh, these portfolios should be well positioned to also benefit from the recovery. And, and you mentioned the MAX specifically. You know, just think back six months ago or even nine months ago, there was a lot of concern around would the public fly on a MAX again? Well, you're not you're not mm -hmm. hearing that discussion anymore. I don't think there's been any concern from the flying public about getting on this airplane. In fact, I would argue now with everything Boeing has done to the MAX, it's probably one of the safest aircraft uh, you could get on today. So I like the stock longer term. I do think you've got probably a bit of a, a moving sideways here in the near term, but longer term, it does represent a really uh, high quality blue chip name to get exposure to large cap uh, large cap exposure to the recovery. It's okay. Uh, sorry, no, the, the cost of a uh, of a max, I guess, is in around one hundred and twenty million dollars, one hundred one hundred fifty million bucks. Well, that's the list price. I think I think airlines, uh, the average cost would be significantly lower than that in terms of what they're they're selling. And I I think pre grounding, it was probably running at about fifty percent of that. Um, pricing has even come on come in somewhat. I think uh, from those levels, just as Boeing's looked to to secure some slots for the airplane. I think it is a it is a buyer's market right now for the MAX, but I do expect that mm. to change as the Skyline continues to fill up. No, I'm just doing some quick math. To lose, you know, if anyone out there who's a salesperson appreciate losing an order of 600 
times 50 to 100 million dollars you can you're talking a 300 to 500 million dollars sales order you lost wow uh, that'd be a tough day in the office i'd have to say sorry jack over to you yeah ken just mentioned there about china and i just was wondering if you could maybe speak to the influence and how powerful they are and how important they are um, to boeing's uh, order book so it's a great question historically you've got about 20 to 25 percent of boeing aircraft going into china um, and that's both on the narrow bodies, the, the smaller aircraft like the MAX, and of course the larger aircraft like the 787 and the 777. China has been relatively under-ordering over the last few years, but you think about the, the global aerospace industry, and I think everybody would agree with, with growth expected in China, you know, in the next 10 years, they could represent, you know, quarter 25 to 30% of the global fleet. But for Boeing, it is 20 to 25% of their output that goes into China. So it's it's critical in terms of their volume and, and critical to the recovery that we get recertification on the MAX and we get some of the trade issues resolved so that we can start to export to China again. Can I have to ask you this question? Because again, I, I, my, my son Elliot was just sitting beside my quote screen a few hours ago. We had a nice little fireside chat about the stock market. He's 17, by the way. And you know, it was, it was very sweet. At the end of our conversation, he said, Dad, good talking to you. That was very sweet. Touched my heart. But um, I, I, Jack and I, in our in our growth portfolio, I think our balance portfolio as well, we have a small sleeve uh, of a Chinese index, the, the FXI. It just gives you exposure to broad Chinese companies. Uh, do you think the Chinese economy and therefore their Chinese markets, you know, as a global investor and in your industry, you have a very global perspective, which I'm, that's why I'm asking this question. Do, do you think China is going to be a bigger player in the next five to 10 years and therefore it makes some sense to have a bit of exposure to that economy? Um, I would argue it does, certainly within the markets I cover on the aerospace side and even on the space side, China is is increasingly relevant and increasingly important. Now, I think if you think about the domestic aircraft and, and engine industry in China, it's several years off. There are some companies in China that are significant suppliers into Boeing, believe it or not, today, even on the MAX aircraft and other aircraft programs. So, huh. But they're, they're in their own Chinese aircraft, which they are developing, I think, competitively are are years away from really being a, a risk to Boeing or Airbus, Boeing's main competitor out of Europe. But, yep. as a, but as an economy, as air travel grows, as they continue to build out the infrastructure there to support the air travel, uh, it's going to be a great market for aerospace products, and you will see continued gradual growth of their own, of their own industry there. So just from, a, from an aerospace perspective, exposure to China certainly makes sense because it's an increasingly important part of the marketplace. Yeah, uh, it is Hi-Fi Radio, show about money, and uh, a lot of stock talk this evening. Uh, I hope it helped you out. It certainly uh, helps Jack and I out each and every week. We call it a bit of a working workshop as we do this radio show, calling some of the smartest minds and asking them some of the tougher questions to help us have a better understanding of how to invest money. Uh, Ken Herbert, uh, Senior Analyst, uh, Aerospace and Defense, uh, a real delight to, to get your insights uh, on your fascinating sector um, you know, one, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind uh, is about to have a 2.0 experience probably in the next 12 months. <laughs> that is going to be fascinating to watch. We'll uh, bring you back on the show to talk about uh, the race to space at the retail level. I want to wish you all a great weekend, Jack. Great job lining up the guests. As always, you be safe and we'll see you downtown, I think, pretty soon. Uh, optimism is in the air. My friends, Hi-Fi Radio, Global News, 640, Toronto, each and every Saturday night from 7 to 8 p.m. Tell your friends. 
been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.